Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so happy to have you join us for another episode. And this week we are talking about why women are strong as heck though. Tiffany and I both love empowering women. We love being a woman. We love gathering women. We love seeing women rise to their fullest potential. And so we thought here at the close of the year, it would be awesome to talk about why women are strong as heck though. Ah, uh I love it. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. So Tiffany, why don't you tell us about some of the strong women that are in your life? Oh, I am surrounded by some strong women. One of the strongest women I know is a dear friend named Jana. She is um, one of the most gifted, bright, beautiful, strong, resilient women I've ever met. Um, And I I often tell her this, and I'm going to tell you now, I know the intimate, kind, gracious ways of Jesus because of her, because Mm. of her actions, because of her words, because of the way she lives her life, because of her authenticity. She, Mm. um, a couple years ago went through a really, really hard season. Um, and the way she's emerged from that, even before that, she was just a a strong woman, but the way she's emerged and she really spends her life on behalf of the gospel and spends her life on behalf of people to know their worth and their value and find their mm-hmm. place at the table. So she is in her final year of grad school to be a counseling psychologist. Amazing. And she uh, is a hospital chaplain. She works at a high-risk um, hospital in the ICU unit as a chaplain. Wow. And she counsels homeless youth as well um, since she's doing her counseling hours before she can be solo counselor so yes she's finishing up her last year so she's just she's the real deal she lives it she believes it um in the hardest moments of my life in the times when I felt like everything was falling apart she's usually um after obviously I communicate with my husband she's the first person I call and you know she she sends those text messages I'll I'll call her frantically or I'll text her frantically and she Mm -hmm. in her calm voice no one else determines your personhood. Nobody else gets to decide your value and worth. She just mm. reminds me um, God's role in my life and the strength he's already given me. So that is somebody who is strong as heck. And I just can't imagine life without her. She is everything good in this world personified. Mm. She really is. I love that. That's so beautiful. Several come to mind for me, obviously, you you being one of them. I have loved so much journeying with you over the last decade of life and I'm so excited to watch you continue to flourish. And I love the way that you are championing women. Like you just don't have this, um, you don't have a jealous bone in your body, Tiffany. I don't know how you do it, but you just have this real desire for women to succeed. Um, and it makes me love partnering with you. Uh, and then I think about um, my dear friend Harmony, who we both know mm, mutually, starting Treasures, which is an outreach and support group to women in the sex industry, which that's just something that she does that was birthed out of the life that she lives. But I just love her. She is the real deal Holyfield. Mm-hmm. Um, she just tells it like it is. And she's very loving and very generous and very gracious. Um, I think about my friend Kamala, who is such a powerhouse. She works in the world of media. And we met about five years ago when she asked me some very difficult questions about race as a pastor. 
Um, we sat down and had uh, a coffee. We talked on the phone. We shared a bunch of emails and just stayed friends. Um, she has a real passion for racial healing, um, and I do too. And so we, we share that, and I love listening to her voice. She teaches me so much on a consistent basis, and um, I'm naming two more if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my mentors, Lisa Sharon Harper, I just had mm. the honor and privilege of going on a beautiful pilgrimage on women's equality specific to the women's right to vote. Um, but she has an organization called Freedom Road. She's an activist. I mean, she was one of the first clergy on the scene at Ferguson. She was there in the peaceful wow. march with her arms linked with Cornell West at Charlottesville. Um, she is just a phenomenal woman and has this understanding of the image of God in every person and the way that she imparts that and teaches it. She also has a way of um, channeling anger into healthy action. Uh, she doesn't shy away from saying hard things, but she also has a real desire for people to be reconciled. And then one of my other mentors, Dawn, who has this incredible coaching business. She's based here in New York City, Dawn Sadler. Um, and that woman will help you move a needle on anything in your life. And I have so greatly benefited from her presence and from her role um, as she's just shown me that it's possible. She has a way of flipping the script when I think like, I can't possibly do this and things are bad. And, you know, why would I want to do that? And she just has a way of saying things that shifts it to the more positive narrative. And she has a way of enabling me to live things out. And I really appreciate and love that about her. And of course, my mom, who I talk about very often. <laughs> and I just have a soft place for single mothers. I think they are some of the strongest women yes. on the planet. Um, and so I have a lot of single moms in my life, including my own, that I feel like, man, they are making a difference day to day. And I really think when we get to heaven, we'll be so surprised at how many of them are sitting on the throne next to God. <laughs> Come on. That's a word right there. That's a word right there. So there's a few of mine. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Thank you. And I just have to say about you, there I've never met someone who is more sure of who God is and what he's capable of doing even if mm. she doesn't see it in her present day. Mm. Um, you know, when I share about you to friends after I tell them how tall you are, I'm like, <laughs> you need to know her story. You need to know her story. You need to know what God's capable of. You mm. need to know what God's capable of doing in someone's life and how he can empower them mm. to change the world around them. I think every man, woman, and child who meets you, Ashley, is met with the presence, kindness, and grace of Jesus in mm. a way that they might have never tasted other way. Thank you, Otherwise, friends. so that is who you are. I that is you. who you are. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> okay, women are strong as heck. Well, sure we is. have been so eager to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And as Ashley opened with, this is something we are both extremely passionate about is... Yep. Uh, a woman's role and women finding out all that they can be in this life and understanding how everything wrong can be made right. So much of that is a woman rising up to take her place and fighting for her place. And, um, you know, half the time, why women are strong is like they're strong because they have to be, right? Come Actually, on, because say it. they're put in circumstances and in places and spaces where they are not going to thrive, let alone survive, unless they rise up to the challenges in front of them. So uh, as we get started, I would love to hear um, why you think women need to rise up. What will not happen if women don't rise up to take their place? Hmm. Man, so many things will not happen. I think about there's like the poorest countries in the world that are the most poverty um, stricken and have the most disenfranchisement and gross disparities of economics happening in their countries. Typically, if you were to put a map of how they oppress women, the most oppressed women 
where women are the most oppressed, that's the same countries that are the poorest, Mm -hmm. that are not thriving, that don't Mm -hmm. have a great economy. And so I think that women bring out this wonderful, um, connective reciprocity that we need in the world. Uh, We naturally gather around each other because we've had to, because women are not naturally empowered and in the workplace are not always recognized as an individual. Um, And even when we think about like, uh, women, I just thought about earlier when I said Lisa Sharon Harper was stand, marching next to Cornell West. So it's even my language to put people with other people sometimes. I, mm-hmm. I just also happen to love Cornell West in that example. But I do mm-hmm. think that that's the case where sometimes we don't get to stand alone or stand on our own. Um, and so women gather. And so I think that's a beautiful thing that we do. And we just recognize our need for one another. <laughs> I think that that's huge. And we bring that to the world. It's like, you know what, we need to do this. We need to do this together. We're very often thinking about the generation behind us, um, the children, if we have them, or children that we're close to or know, if we don't, um, who are going to be inheriting the things that we're building. And obviously, that's a gross sweeping statement. Yes, women can be Mm -hmm. selfish. Yes, women can lie. Yes, some women do rise to the top in their businesses and are seen as an individual. But it's it's so far from the majority and the way of things that that I think it's appropriate to paint with broad strokes. But we miss community. We miss thriving when women are not involved. Absolutely. And just as you said earlier, when, you you know, in these, um, in the poorer countries of the world Mm -hmm. where women are not empowered and enabled and seen as someone who can contribute to society, you see the breakdown of an economy. And so when you empower a woman, when you educate a woman, you are empowering an economy. Women women lift up economies. Yes, they do. Women lift up families. Um, I'm not saying that men don't do that, but right. we, from the beginning of the world, we were always intended to work together, Come on. each play their strengths. And when we do that, um, we can, everyone, everyone thrives. Yes. Um, one of the women that I, if I want to go back to the very beginning, when I think of strong women, I think of the old Testament. I think of Hagar and mm. she was a foreigner and a slave. And Abraham, called by God, father of many nations, he wanted the plans of God to happen on his timeline and in his way. And so he interpreted that as he's got to make God's plans happen versus allowing the divine to do what only he can do. And so with his wife's consent and encouragement, um, he he takes advantage of his slave, takes advantage of her body and impregnates her. And... um, and that wasn't God's plan. And right. this woman is caught in the crosshairs of this selfish plan. Yep. And I and I do believe Abraham was called by God. And I do believe that obviously God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Yep. But there's this woman that, you know, as we think of Abraham, we forget her story. And yes. we forget all that she endured. And as she had this baby, she's the first to name God. And she names him Elroy, E-L space R-O-I, the God who sees and just this idea that this lowly slave woman understood that God saw her, God saw her for who she was and not as, you know, Abraham or Sarah saw her, but God saw her. And it's so easy to glamorize Sarah's role in this. And she's the one who had the baby and she's the one who got to carry this. And all the while there was this woman who was oppressed and undervalued and used her body was used. Yes. And she was a beloved child of God and the strength that she displayed to, she, she didn't, you know, there's so many things she could have done, but she did carry the baby and she did have this baby. And although she, 
though her story isn't the grand glamorized one that um, we value and that's not the one we're teaching to our daughters it is a story that needs to be told and just to see her strength in that Um, Rachel Held Evans in her book Inspired writes a little more about this story so I encourage you if you're looking for Mm -hmm. the untold stories or the 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 tense stories that sometimes we don't always understand in the Bible she's she gives some great insight especially to women yeah. Um, so I, and, and a lot of her past books do that as well. So that's a really good resource for women who want to really dig in deeper to a woman's strength historically, especially um, when we look through the Old and New Testament. I love that. I've, I've been wanting to read that book, actually. And you reminded me as you're talking about something um, that I've been meditating on since coming back from the pilgrimage. But it's all the women who have been erased throughout history. We watched this incredible documentary that I would encourage um all of us to listen to watch um, called Dolores and it's the story of Dolores Huerta and she was actually Cesar Chavez's sister but you never hear about her in the movement they started the movement together for the migrant workers in California and all the freedom that happened all the unions getting around them being able to have fair pay um, fair hours all of that that happened she was really like a huge driver of this movement when you go into history museums when you read history books she's completely absent and even we were walking through Ellis Island here in New York as part of our pilgrimage and they list Cesar Chavez they do not list Dolores Huerta and so it's like you see this happen and we obviously see it with the indigenous people who were on this land here in America for almost 20,000 years before you know Christopher Columbus supposedly Mm -hmm. discovered America you know um I think that we forget how often women get erased from the movement. And then the other side of this, I think sometimes is women's role in upholding unfair structures, specifically around um, the issues of like white supremacy. You know, there's always Mm -hmm. somebody, women can often be the oppressors. And so I think about what you just shared, the beautiful way of viewing Hagar as made in the image of God and her announcing who God is. And then also Sarah, Mm -hmm. who was her master saying, Abraham, you need to do this. And sometimes I think in the world we live in, it creates this space for women to be pitted against other women um, and to we start to brew hatred between us rather than working together and I see why we do it it makes so much sense when you've been the oppressed person um, and even thinking through like different classes of women um, you know I know that was definitely my experience growing up is that many white rich women were not kind to me and my family because of of our economic situation mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I just think, I know that I'm unpacking a whole lot, yeah. but it just reminded me so much of women who are erased and stories that get erased from history, but we play this primary role. And one thing I love about women is that we'll do it even if our names never get mentioned. And yeah. we do it because it's the right thing to do and not because somebody's gonna write it in a history book someday. And I think that's another reason why women are strong as heck. It's like, this is the right thing to do. So maybe I'll never get recognized, maybe I will get erased, but I care about these people and I'm gonna do what needs to be done. And I love that about women. And I know there are many men as well who do this, like our husbands, for example. But <laughs> I think that's worth saying. But, you know, again, we're highlighting women on this episode. <laughs> Absolutely. I just want to touch on a few things you said and yes. add a little more. Um, first, you talked about just, you know, these upper upper class white women demeaning and oppressing your family because you didn't have what they had. I think yeah. another part of that is, for women, especially in the workplace, education, yes. business, what ha- nonprofit sector, anywhere, honestly, anywhere, entertainment, we don't believe that there's enough space for all of the women. Therefore, really we're going to get a token woman to be in Come a seat on. at the table. Yes. Well, there's not enough room for all of us. So I'm going to oppress you to ensure that I at least have a spot at the table. 
rather than lift each other up yes. to, to, to create a new normal where yes. everyone has a spot at the table. So I think that there is, just as you said about Sarah and Hagar, I think that that plays out in modern day when we think, well, you exist to help advance my agenda, yeah. but I don't want to ensure that you have a place or a voice because you don't want what I want and right. I want what I want. Yeah. So I'm going to make my voice and you know, I'm going to go there, but my vote yep. matter because it, it meets my needs Come versus on. the needs of the whole. So, yep. um, women really, uh, we have within us the capacity, the capacity to bring such wholeness and yes. health and redemption yes. as we exemplify the gifts, goodness, grace, and skills and just power that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And when we play that role out, I think we do find that we're stronger. And, and sadly, we find that we're strong only in hard situations, right? right? We don't have to exercise that yep. every day. So when it's something hard that comes against us, we find out just how strong we can be. So tell me, Ashley, where what's a situation that has forced you to find the strength you didn't even know you had? Mm-hmm and see it really come to pass in a situation. Yeah, I think the most recent example, because again, we talked about this in our stories, the things that we've had to overcome that would show our very obvious and explicit strength. At the same time, recently, you know, when we moved two and a half years ago from Los Angeles to New York, and in the time span of two years, we moved three times. I got pregnant and had our second baby. We started pastoring a church. I transitioned jobs so that I was a full-time writer. And doing all of that, without the the level of community that I was used to having. I think oh, it was man. a time that I had to tap into a different level of strength. And yeah. there were so many tears and there still are tears that I shed, but my friendships are growing tighter, they're going deeper and I love it. Like I, I really am starting to love where I am and who I'm doing life with. And I feel so privileged to be able to call my friends friends that are here in the city. But man, doing that, Tiffany, I don't even know how to describe it to you. I had, my friends are my lifeline. I genuinely yeah. mean that when I say that. Um, they are the people, they're my people. And so having to do that with just me and God and me and my husband, um, man, that was really, really tough on me. And um, I realized too, I rely on my girlfriends for so much emotional support. And I'm the type of person who's a proce- internal processor first. So I'm not an external processor. I just sort of go in a little hole and in a cave. Um, and I had so appreciated how my friends could draw me out with their questions, with their presence, with their time. Um, and not having that, I realized I had to work over time to be able to create outlets for myself to talk and to dialogue and to think and to sort of probe what was really going on behind the surface of my life. Um, and so doing that alone, I think was a time that God really showed me when I tell you to do something and you obey me, I will be with you. Um, Mm. and I had to learn that in a new way. Uh, and God had to be enough. His grace had to be sufficient for me truly in my weakness. Um, and I think that that, that's the most recent time of realizing like, wow, I really do have what it takes to obey God, even though it's hard Mm, and it's messy. I have what it takes. Um, and that, that's the most recent example that I have. Yeah, that's powerful. I think in my own life, I, this past few years have been a time where I feel like the band-aid's been ripped off and I've had to see, okay, like you're going to be faithful. I don't have Mm. to be, um, what am I trying to say here? I'm going to pause. I'm going to pick that up. 1953. I need to rethink my thoughts. How I want to say this without, cause I'm thinking of how not to throw someone under the bus right now. Sorry. No, it's okay. Take your um, time. Yeah. 
I think in the last few years in our country specifically, we have been presented with opportunities for women to rise up and exercise their strength Mm -hmm. and tell their story with power and with honesty. Good. And in my own life, I think that um, when I've had opportunities to champion women, it's come at a cost. Yeah. Um, To tell the truth means to expose uh, how men have hurt women. I think it's a chance to expose how a broken system has continued to oppress women. Hmm. And so in my own life, having the opportunity to speak up I've realized the strength I would need because what does the world do when a woman tells the truth? They right. discredit her character. Uh-oh. Say it. And they, Girl, you better. Yeah. You're talking. You're talking now. <laughs> yeah. They discredit her character and they discredit her story and they, mm-hmm. they, they dismantle the person she's become. Yep. And I think that we are more aware of that than ever. I mean, we have the Me Too movement and the Church Too yeah. movement and... So many things that are happening, not to mention all the other important work that women are doing to advance the good of all women. But I think that there is this moment right now that we are standing on the shoulders of women who've gone before us. Everything from activists to judges to Mm -hmm. lawyers to preachers. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even in the church movement, I think that sometimes we think this idea of women preaching is so new. Right. Load a bowl, man. Totally is. We have erased... This is what I want to mention earlier, Ashley. It's all hitting me. The dominant narrative that we've been told isn't always the true story. Uh Uh-oh. Just as you said about Dolores. Yeah. The dominant narrative isn't always the true story. And there's there's more stories that we've erased from history. Yep. And that's not okay. That's not okay. And like you said, we're not doing it to get credit and have our name in lights. That's not the point here. Correct. But we are doing it for the advancement of our daughters and granddaughters and our sons and our grandsons. Yep. Um, you know, even just the other day, my son said, um, oh, uh, is daddy, is daddy going to lead small group? And I was like, oh yeah, daddy and I are going to lead small group. He's like, well, you mean daddy's going to lead it. And I was like, boo, what you talking about? Right. <laughs> I have a seven year old son and in his mind he thought, oh, the man needs to lead. And right. I'm like, oh, there's room and there's space and yeah. there's room for the wisdom of both a man and woman to lead. Even, you know, my, my seven year old son who has a you know, an active mother who is in leadership roles. And he's, you know, he's bought the lie that there's only room for a man's voice. And I know I'm, I'm not trying to blow up more of a conversation than that was, but he really meant it. Yeah. He really was like, no, 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 no. But doesn't a boy need to talk first? Right. And I was like, oh, wow. The things you've picked up from this world and you're seven years old. Yes. And so again, yeah, the, the dominant narrative isn't always, the true historical work that's been done. And I think moving forward, understanding that as we work together, as we work with women, not pit each other, pit against each other or tear each other down, there is so much room to lock arms yes. and and work together. And even as we share today, I've said this before, but I asked Ashley three times over the past three years to do a podcast with me. And I wore her down, folks. I had to sell it. I said, we are going to be able to serve so many mm-hmm. together. 
And it was right and true, and I'm so thankful that you did. Um, you know what? Something you said made me think of Jane Elliott, who I love and admire, another strong woman, especially during her day as a white woman, to just make the decision to talk about race um, during the Civil Rights Movement. And she has this incredible thing she would do with the children. She was a teacher where she called it the blue-eyed, green-eyed experience. I mean, blue-eyed, brown-eyed experiment. And then she would separate her classroom based on blue eyes and brown eyes and show people how racism starts and how it exists and how there's this narrative out there that is you know makes one race superior over the other and she contends which i agree with that race is a social construct that started at the inquisition in the 1400s and that there is one race which is the human race so all that said she talks about education and she says specifically that educate what we have called education is actually indoctrination and so from the ages of five years old to 18 years old this is the most formative time and they're inheriting what you talked about tiffany this dominant narrative Mm -hmm. that erases Mm -hmm. history you know that doesn't tell the or doesn't tell the whole story and so it's like, well, you know, it's written, most of education is written by men um, from their perspective. And what we need to do as a people is continue to grow in adding, making room, telling the whole story, telling the whole truth, learning from many different perspectives, learning from many different races, learning from both men and women so that we can understand the fuller picture of humanity, who we were created to be. And I think that that's something that women can also bring to the table and add, um, like you talked about wholeness and presence, like all the things that we bring to the table are necessary. If we're going to tell the whole story about who we are as people. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that pops into my mind as you say that first, um, my husband was a elementary school teacher in a past life, and he did that experiment every year to point out. Of course, he did. I love. Yeah, you know he did. And of course, and it's interesting. There were parents who were just enraged. I'm sure he would do that. Like, how could you? How could you do that? That's too early to be explaining these things. And he said, I need them to open their eyes to this unconscious bias and what we're teaching them. And I love how you said that indoctrination versus education. My goodness. Um, oh, wow, that's powerful. So powerful. But this idea that we, everything is set up to value one kind of person. Right. And everyone else, depending on the color, their socioeconomic standing, their gender, all of these things are secondary. So how can we go back or move forward to what should, what could be, Yeah. but also look back, you know, I, um, I, love Jesus encounter with women in the New Testament. And Mm. if you really look at these encounters, each and every time he empowers them, he respects them. He does not demean or exploit their story, but he comes alongside them for their strength. Yes. And so that they can thrive in the life God has for them. So I think that when we really, really look at Jesus, we see a picture of God's plan for humanity and God's plan for women. And it is good, my friends. It's, so it's good. good. It's not to be oppressed or demeaned. And so much of this is not overt. We, you know, it's so it's so under the radar that maybe we don't always realize, depending on where you live or where you're listening from. Maybe you're thinking, I don't feel like it's harder for a woman to to win. I don't feel like it's harder for a woman to gain access to power or education or connections. But maybe you're living in a part of the world where you're like, I hear you, sister. Like this mm-hmm. is hard. This is hard. And to all of us, we are deserving of a place at the table. Yes. To all of us, we are deserving of education and our voice matters. And as we bring our yes. strength to the table, we can see all things made good in the way that they're intended to be in the way that the Lord has for us. So I just encourage you, women are strong as heck. Yes. And from Hagar to the woman at the well to 
Rosa Parks to mm-hmm. Joan of Arc to Harriet mm-hmm. Tubman to Malala. You know, all yeah. of us, we all, there's just such strong women and we have so much to learn from them and their story matters. May they not be erased from the history books, but would together we raise our collective voice and invite heaven to earth. Yes. And I just encourage us. Yeah. Just to encourage each of us as we go about our week this week, who can we lift up? Who can we empower? And think about women who may not have a network. You know, that's also the other power of being a person who has power is that you have networks to tap into. So who can we bring into our circle? Who can we bring in and have them contribute? Not just make a seat for them at a table that's already set, but how can we invite them to help us set the table? How can we invite them to help us set the tone, to bring who they are, to bring what they bring that would increase our value greatly instead of diminishing her value. So I encourage each of us this week to be focused on who we can lift up, who we can empower and who we can bring along and areas that we could go as well, where we could learn and grow and change. I love that. That is a secret weapon, if you will, being able to empower others, not assume yep. there's only a slice of the pie for you, but understanding there's a place for everyone. Yep. And our words matter, don't they? Yes, I they think do. that, you know, so much of who I am has been by the encouragement of the women around me. Yeah, same to You know, has been yeah. by the tribe around me. And yeah. we often, you know, become so much of what people speak over us, right? So yes. if it's those strong voices collectively um, playing over and over that is... Uh, and I'm not saying that's the only voice in our head. We're, we're listening, you know, we're, we're, we're in the word and we're listening to the Lord. But when you combine that with some strong women, it gives you a vision of what could be for your own life and for your community. Yes. I love it. We're right. so grateful to have had this conversation with you guys this week. And we would love to hear from you. Comment, tell us how, how this makes you feel, what this brews on the inside of you so that we can learn from you as well. You guys have an yes. incredible week and we look forward to spending time with you next week. All right. Bless you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.